This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Bank of Ireland, you don't have to talk face-to-face. Our mortgage team are happy to talk FaceTime to FaceTime and give you all the info you need, from how to get started to how much to save. FaceTime our mortgage team to talk about a personalised mortgage that's right for you. When you're ready to make a move, we're ready to make it with you. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only. Mortgage approval subject to assessment of suitability and affordability. Bank of Ireland Mortgage Bank trading as Bank of Ireland Mortgages is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Today's news, 22 years early. Now the Pentagon and all these major companies are coming out going, oh, we've done human tests. The last 20-something years, we got brain chips that are just going to turn you into superhumans. Centuries ago, mankind discovered a way to transfer consciousness into a new body. Your body is not who you are. You shed it like a snake sheds its skin. Leave it forgotten behind you. How long have I been down? 250 years. I didn't ask you to bring me back into this world. All I ask of you is that you solve a murder. Who's? Mine. 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 It used to be that if, uh, say, in the year 2000 or earlier than that, if you went into a university lab and you said, hey, I'm, I'm interested in whole brain emulation, it was totally outside of the scope of the science or of technology. What if we could upload a digital copy of our memories and consciousness to a point that human beings could actually achieve a sort of digital immortality? Elon Musk wants to download your brain with an idea to implant our brains with computer chips. If you can, in fact, move a mind to a different substrate and run it there, then there's no actual need for the brain to be contained in the same place where your body or various bodies are. For some people, it's a sci-fi step too far. And of course, all of it is about dehumanizing, all of it is about control, all of it has Trojan horses in it. I know that this is part of a large plan. You will be chipped. Where am I? Alcatraz Prison, Bay City. What planet, genius? Earth. Which way is the shower? Hello and welcome to Science-ish. I'm Rick Edwards, joined as ever by Dr. Michael Brooks. Hello. So the format, of course, is we ask one big question based on one piece of fiction. We talk to one scientist and then we have a chat about it. And this week, it's my turn. I've been doing extensive research. (laughs) Oh, God. And we're going to have a crack at putting our minds inside a computer. 
whole brain emulation, or if you prefer, mind uploading. Okay, so which fiction is this? Uh, so this is actually a Netflix series, Altered Carbon. Oh, yes, okay. I mean, I know you've watched a bit of it because we had to because we were doing this episode. <laughs> uh, what do you think of it? I didn't like it a lot. I felt like it was really reaching quite hard, quite convoluted, difficult to follow. If anyone from Netflix is listening, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. I think it's good. I mean, it's right in my wheelhouse, actually. It's kind of, um, there's a bit of action thriller element to it, plus a bit of slightly dodgy science. <laughs> <laughs> that is right in your wheelhouse. It, it, it is. To give you a sort of very brief overview, a guy called Takeshi Kovach is bought back to life. So he's been, he's been on ice, is what they call it. So everyone's brain or everyone's mind is contained within um, a chip that's about the size of a Jaffa cake um, <laughs> called a cortical stack. And you can just plug that into a body. And so bodies are just called sleeves. So they're sort of, you know, easy come, easy go, really. Disposable, aren't you don't they? Wanna, you don't want to lose your stack. <laughs> and you don't want your stack to get destroyed. But body-wise, you can just plug into... So you could plug into my body and you'd be absolutely delighted with that. No book, thanks. <laughs> oh, no you thanks. say that, but come on. Um, so this guy, Sketchy Kovac, has been, in inverted commas, dead. Hasn't been in a sleeve for a sort of couple of hundred years. And then he's he's pop back into a new sleeve, new body, and he's asked to solve a very rich man's murder. Why Why do they ask him? Because he he's an envoy. And if I'm perfectly honest, it's not entirely, which is like a special guy. <laughs> he's like super, he was part of a resistance, um, and he's just like, he's just proper nails, I think right. is the main thing. So he's really good at fighting. Um, now, why you would want someone who's really good at fighting to come and investigate your murder? He's not a detective, though, is he? No, he's not a detective. He's not a big thinker, I think he even. might be a big thinker. He just is quite good with his hands as well. Yeah. And yeah. guns. This is your parole document, certifying that your DHF was shipped from Millsport Maximum Security Prison, received here intact, and sleeved in this body, which came equipped with military-grade neurochem and combat muscle memory. You've been provided with clothing and incidentals, as per the specifications of Bancroft Industries, which has leased you. As such, you are the property of Lawrence Bancroft for the duration of that lease. Property? What about my rights? You don't have any. And our one question, I mean, fairly obviously, is could I upload my mind to a computer chip? Yes. Oh, is that it, is it? Yeah, should we go home now? Um, I think we should probably do a bit more about okay, it. Okay, all right. So presumably, done all this research. <laughs> presumably we're not just going with your opinion or my opinion, but we've tracked down somebody who might actually know the truth about this. Uh, yeah, and we've really, we always get good people, but this guy, he is Mr. Mind Upload. So this is the guy who's at the absolute forefront. He's called... Oh, that's not uh, his actual name. Uh, no. I mean, incredible n- <laughs> nominative determinism. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think you're going to do, uh, David's mind upload? <laughs> well, I don't know, really. <laughs> uh, no, he's actually called Dr. Randall Kerner. And he's a, he's a neuroscientist, co-founded this thing called Carbon Copies, which is an organisation whose specific aim is to get mind uploading up and running. When we talk about mind uploading and our minds in general, I think what we normally mean is our cognitive faculties. So the sorts of things that we can actually experience. That means we're not talking about synapses and chemicals because we don't really feel those. I have no idea which synapse just fired to make me think something or which chemicals were involved in the process. But what I am aware of 
is the things that I'm recognizing. If I'm seeing a car, seeing a person that I know, the things that I remember, the plans that I have, the feelings that I have. If you think about the brain, you can look at it as a machine in a sense because it has a bunch of principal operators called neurons, these tiny, simple processors. And all they know is that some excitation or inhibition is coming in and it changes their membrane potential. And then at some threshold, they respond with an electric discharge of their own. And then ultimately, it's that orchestration of billions of neurons that is the information processor that plays the symphony that's our experience of being. When we talk about mind uploading, what we mean is being able to record enough data about a person's working brain to be able to model the cognitive functions that that person has mathematically, and then to put those mathematical functions into a different processing device, where carrying out those same functions means producing the same mind. And when you can do that, at that point, you've got freedom of substrate, or substrate independence, as we sometimes call it. Because then you could move those functions from your mind to any number of different types of processors, be they, be they biological or completely not biological. In the past 10 years, the pace of development on this has changed a lot. It's, it's really, it's revved up quite a bit. It used to be that if, uh, say, in the year 2000 or earlier than that, if you went into a university lab and you said, hey, I'm, I'm interested in whole brain emulation, it wasn't that it was ridiculous because the idea that you could do it, this has been around for a long time, but it was totally outside of the scope of the science or of technology. But today there are actually several labs who want to either map the entire brain at some level and even who see the utility of whole brain emulation as something really useful. So he's talking about mind uploading, which would be all of me. So it would be memories, personality, consciousness. Again, I think this is slightly this whole area is quite contentious. <laughs> Just get out there. No shit. Uh, but as far as neuroscience is telling us, there's no evidence to think that you doesn't emerge just from physical neural processes taking part in your brain. So yeah. you just say, all right, the human mind, we don't fully understand how that comes out of the brain, but it seems to just be an emergent property. So consciousness is an emergent property of your neural network working away. Yeah. And therefore you can sort of treat it like an information processing machine. And that, that's something that Dr. Randall was sort of mentioning there. It's not really about necessarily replicating exactly what's happening. You just want to replicate the results. Yeah. So that you yeah, wouldn't I'd notice any difference. Because his, his point is a good one. Like, you don't... I have no idea how my brain works. Yeah. I can't feel any of that. All I'm noticing is what it produces, the thoughts that it produces, the feelings and so on. The thing is that people are now really starting to go for this. Like uh, Dr. Randall said, it's revving up. And he works this place called the 2045 Initiative, which is having loads and loads of money pumped in by its founder, a Russian guy called Dmitry Itzkov. Um, who's one of these guys who's got loads and loads and loads of money. <laughs> and also, because why? very, I mean, tech, just tech. Oh, tech, yeah, generally, tech, yeah, tech. yeah. And he wants to be immortal. That's, that's as yeah, simple yeah. as that. Um, guy, Another Russian who wants to be immortal, really. Yeah. And there's a great quote, hang on, I'm just going to get my computer, but yes, there's a really nice quote. He says, for the next few centuries, <laughs> already a good start, uh, I envision having multiple bodies, one somewhere in space, another hologram-like, and my consciousness just moving from one to another. 
<laughs> so that's what he's about. Okay, yeah, um, no. So, yeah, Dr. Randall is working at the 2045 initiative, and they are they're making progress. They are making progress. This is a cortical stack. As protectorate citizens, we each have one, implanted when we are one year old. Inside is pure human mind, coded and stored as DHF, digital human freight. Your consciousness can be downloaded into any stack in any sleep. You can even needle cast in minutes to a sleeve anywhere in the settled worlds. A sleeve is replaceable, but if your stack is destroyed, you die. There's no coming back from real death. And uh, this freedom of substrate, what's that? Substrate just means the platform on which your program is running, if you like. And so being free of substrate just means that you can stick your mind into various... Uh, So you've got a biological substrate that your mind is working, which is the brain. But the idea is that's a bit of a bind. (laughs) And quite nice if you just run it on a different um, different platform. So it it doesn't need to be biological, necessarily. So you you can ditch your meat substrate. You can ditch this tedious, ageing meat substrate, (laughs) which is how I always think of you, um, (laughs) and just have a nice computer one. Yeah. It's an old idea. People have been interested in the possibility of mind uploading for ages. It's just that, as Dr. Randall said, it's not really been even vaguely possible. But then in the last sort of 10, 15 years, stuff has started to kick on. So there's a guy called uh, Henry Markram, who is the lead at something called the Blue Brain Project. And they're looking to to map brain activity, and they're interested in mind uploading. Uh, And in 2004, he said... We're not going to be able to do this. It's just, it's too hard. <laughs> Did he offer the money back? Uh, <laughs> no, I think he probably kept the money. He said, you just need too much processing power. It just doesn't feel doable. But then by 2009, they'd successfully simulated a part of a rat brain. And he thought that actually, that's a significant step change in what we can do. And he now thinks we'll have a detailed, functional, artificial human brain within 10 years. <laughs> Which is quite soon. That is a big it's claim. Quite soon. So, so yeah, there's 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 a lot more optimism um, floating around now, vis-a-vis mind upload. There are several main challenges to mind uploading, and absolutely the biggest is simply that the biological brain as we have it was never built to be read out. So, access to brain data is the biggest problem. To build a prosthetic function of a piece of brain, you need to understand how that neural circuit transforms input into output. And that process is called system identification. Today, the most feasible way to do that is to actually stick electrodes into the brain that you can then look at activity on an input area, say a region where information is flowing in and another area that receives that after it's been processed. and then using machine learning to infer the input-output relationships. At that point, it's really useful to know the so-called connectome, what neuron connects to what other neuron, this physical mapping of the brain. And then finally, there's going to be a major challenge taking those functions that you've discovered and implementing them into devices that can operate at least at at real time, where you can have a mind upload that can respond the way that you normally do or faster. When you're looking at a whole brain, the hardware and software issue is quite significant. We're talking at least about petaflops and terabytes of data. So 
uh, something that may be the fastest supercomputers today can potentially handle, but you you know you need basically a, a small power plant to to run that, and you need a giant supercomputer somewhere. So this is not how you would want to build a mind upload. You really need special purpose hardware to do that. Take a look. Tell me what you see. It's a protected satellite, military grade. It is military grade, but it's not the protectorate, it's mine. Every 48 hours, my stack is automatically needle cast to it. So your current self has no memory of what happened? Well, whoever killed me pulled the trigger 10 minutes before my backup went through. Which means all of your memories from those 48 hours are gone. Completely. If you can, in fact, move a mind to a different substrate and run it there, then there's no actual need for the brain to be contained in the same place where your body or various bodies are. So in a sense, it doesn't need to be a chip, but it may be a chip. And certainly today, when you build neural prostheses, those are chips that you try to build because you want to make it mobile and not dependent on the internet and always work. It would be terrible if you have a hippocampal prosthesis and if you lose your internet connection, you suddenly can't make any memories. That's terrible. I wouldn't want to be the first person that has an artificial hippocampus. <laughs> you know, it, it feels risky. It does feel risky. <laughs> Presumably you'd have a backup. Yeah, but then you get into real complications of maybe the backup thinks it's the real me. Oh, mm. I like a, it. It's, it's a philosophical nightmare. Yeah. So uh, Dr. Randall was talking about the various things that you need to do in order to try and sort of do whole brain emulation. And one thing he talked about was the uh, the connectome. So we think that the connectome is going to be pretty important. The connectome is the map of all of the connections of all of our neurons, which is almost unfathomably <laughs> complicated because there's 86 wow. billion neurons. Yeah, yeah. And all of them have, sort of on average, they'll have 10,000 inputs and 10,000 outputs. It's not all local either. So you'll have neurons that are connected to other neurons that are not even its neighbours. It's a tangled old mess in there. And somehow you have to try and reproduce that. In 10 um, years? <laughs> yes, yes, in 10 years. So we're going to have to be twilling a few all-nighters, I think. <laughs> and then the other thing is that you need to monitor the, the activity of the neurons. So there's a thing called the Brain Initiative, a lot of money going into that as well. And they're trying to measure the activity because it's not enough just to know the connectome. You kind of need to know what's going on at any given point if you're going to try and replicate and, and create the whole you right. in a computer to give you all of your... You need to have the precise state and it's very difficult to take those measurements. And even when you do, you won't necessarily understand what it is that you're looking at. So, Are we talking um, about the precise state of 86 billion neurons at not, any Do you know moment? what? It, it's worse than that because neurons aren't the they're not like the fundamental unit of information processing in in your brain we sort of talk about what they are it's molecules <laughs> literally molecules and we have no idea how many molecules it's proteins reacting to their environment <laughs> essentially and we are a mile from understanding or, or mapping that there are clearly numerous massive challenges <laughs> to, you don't uh, say uh, to mind uploading I'll run through a few of them for you. Okay. Um, so mo most of them are quite obvious. Complexity. It's just... <laughs> so actually, to be fair to, uh, to Dmitry Itzkov, he says, it's not impossible, it's just really, really difficult. Yeah, no, fair which enough. Which is maybe may, may may true. Yeah. But the fact that neurons themselves are not just simple little logic gates, understanding the calculations that they are doing 
and how it affects the probability and frequency of neural firing. Just a really hard problem. Then you've just got the scale of it, the quadrillion synapses. Oh, that's sounding like a big yeah. number to yeah, me. Yeah, I don't think I know what a quadrillion is. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got to go, sure. Big, really, really big. Um, plasticity, even if. So you've absolutely, you think to yourself, do you know what, this is a really good 10 years work. I've perfectly mapped the connectome. I know exactly what everything is doing at a given moment and put it in. Still not enough because you have to have plasticity. So if it was just static, so you just had a static sort of system, perfect system that you've, you've mapped of neural connections and, 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 and behavior, you're still not going to get intelligence because it's not going to be able to learn. Another really, like a huge problem is power consumption. The brain, given how complicated it is as a, as a computer, if you're happy to accept that the brain is a computer, it runs on like 25 watts, Ooh. which is staggering. And, yeah. and, and we, we have nothing that could get anywhere near that level of sort of low energy efficiency. You'd be talking about supercomputers at the moment, um, <laughs> just chucking out heat and devouring energy to do anything like a human brain. That side, you, you, your thing, or whenever we talk about simulating consciousness, is always that'll change, like in 20 years. Yeah, time, we'll I have, think it could. We'll have the processing power yeah. to, to handle that. Maybe, but this really is a colossal undertaking. So, I mean, obviously... My brain is going to take probably two supercomputers, whereas <laughs> yours might only be one. So it might be more efficient if you are the, the first subject of this. Yeah, I mean, even if that was true, very quickly I'm going to overtake you because I'm going to be looking to get some sweet upgrades on my brain. <laughs> Just plugging in a lovely little maths module. Sort of, of course you are, and then you'll be happy. I I'll mean, be really, you'll if be I finally be happy. I'd be yeah. delighted. <laughs> At Psychosec, we provide the absolute top of the market in augmented and designer-enhanced sleeves. Our service is exclusive to an elite clientele. Best sleeve money can buy. Put your wife in me. Mmm, well, tasteful. Running a mind upload certainly requires more than just the process of uploading and a chip. You need something that this mind is connected to, to be embodied in. So either it has to be a virtual body, or it has to be a real body of some sort, or maybe both. Our clients are the most discerning, wealthiest people in the Protectorate. And they don't do anything as pedestrian as dying. You deserve to look on the outside the way you feel on the inside. The advantage of building real bodies is, of course, that you don't need to simulate the entire world to provide enough input and output. At that point, the world is there, and you just need a body that is good enough to, to experience it. Now, of course, what we want is a body that has just as much sensory input and motor output or more. Now, in a virtual environment, building a good body is easier because clearly being able to design whatever you want, that's something that, that is really flexible in a virtual environment. So there, there are challenges in both virtuals. See, back when I went down, you sleep too many times. Eventually, you go nuts. Personality frag. It's a bitch, but it only happens if you bounce around between lots of different sleeves. So... Turns out, if you were sleeping to your own clone, you can do it as many times as you want. Live forever. If you got the cash. It's great, huh? So what does everyone else do? So the question is, how long does it ultimately take to get all the way to a full upload? Let me give you the news of 20 years from now today. Welcome to 2030. I own nothing. Have no privacy. And life has never been better. 
and you will take the chip. You will assimilate. My guess is I would be extremely surprised if it happened in 20 years or less. And I would also be extremely surprised if it didn't happen in 80 years or more. I really think this is something that we can tackle in the 21st century. Computer chips are getting smaller and faster, and eventually the time will come when a child is implanted with a little chip back here and will learn to control the chip in the same way that you learn to control your bodily functions and your voice and your movements. I have a database in my life that dates back about two to three years. I can do similar to what we do when we search the internet. This tool also converts audio into text files. So we're getting an increasing number of neural prostheses, neural interfaces, the experience of connecting with people far away, maybe having a robot body on Mars while you're still here. Things like that are going to start to happen over time before we get to full-scale mind uploading. So it's not like this is an overnight change in how humanity lives and what we experience. It's rather that we're going to get used to different ideas about what it means to be me. Scientists created a brain spinal interface on a monkey with a paralyzed leg, implanting a promising new procedure that could one day be used to fight Alzheimer's. A pacemaker. It's very hard to predict not just what it would feel like for yourself to to be uploaded or to have the ability to augment your mind, but it's also really hard to imagine what a future like that would be like because of all the interactions between the various things that are developed, not just mind uploading, but artificial intelligence and, and other things are going to come along at the same time. You know, it's like we're walking into the fog and we can only see an arm's length ahead of us. And so we have to take that next step and then we can see another arm's length ahead of us. We are deep in the fog, Brooksy. <laughs> I don't I'm mind. not sure I have even got an arm's length in front of me. <laughs> I don't mind that because I, I kind of see where he's coming from. So on Facebook, I'm a different me and on Twitter, maybe I'm a different me. And it's sort of like extending that out to be, you know, just sort of, you know, I'm, I've got little tentacles of me going out. And he's sort of basically saying you can devolve away from it just being mm. centralized and or you can just have a different you and you're uploaded. And that's a different experience of who you are. And that's doable. I suppose it, you know, it is possible that we just have quite a sort of simple understanding of what self is that is limited to one. And it may be that we just expand that understanding when we have more of us knocking around. Yeah. I, I think you can broaden the human experience out, can't you? We used to not be able to communicate with anybody who was on a different continent. You know, we had to wait for the post or whatever to, to get across. And then maybe it's just a similar thing. It's like, you know, that seemed like magic, you know, to be able to have instantaneous communications. Yeah. And maybe this seems like magic to us now, mm. but maybe it won't. Maybe it'll be fine and it'll all sort of feel like we're just moving towards this thing. Like you said, moving through the fog. And actually, you know, by the time we get there, we'll sort of be quite used to it and quite accepting of it. I sort of feel like I'm coming around I a little bit. I think you are as well. Yeah, I, I do quite like the idea. Uh, but presumably, there are maybe a critic or two. Yeah. There are. You might remember friend of the show, in a sense he's been mentioned before, uh, Dr. Miguel Nicolelis. Do you remember him? No. Actually, do you know what? It might have been that we just wrote about him in the book. The book? Scientist, yeah. the book? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah that. The peculiar science behind the movies. Yeah, sounds good, doesn't it? It's on Amazon, isn't it? Um, anyway, he, he's a leading neuroscientist, and he says you aren't going to be able to replicate the brain's dynamic complexity. He says that you're not going to be able to code intuition, you're not going to be able to make code feel anything you're not going to be able to make it love or hate and it will categorically not be reduced to a digital medium i think he's wrong 
okay? <laughs> Honestly, saying you can't code intuition, I mean, that's basically what AlphaGo has done, isn't it? With its Go playing intuition. Intuition is just that thing where you know what the right answer is, but you can't exactly say why you think that's the right answer. And, you know, that's what artificial intelligence is doing all the time. And why would you think that, like, something can't feel? Because feeling is just a kind of sensory input interpreted into electrical and chemical signals. You know, I've always said I don't think there's anything more to our brains than just, you know, this is the physical system that makes us feel that we are us. The illusion of consciousness, the illusion of free will, it's all good. It's just all contained within that complexity of the interconnections of the neurons and they're constantly changing and it's all dynamic. And I know it's a really fearsome thing to try and replicate, but actually, you know... I it think It's just an engineering problem. It's an engineering problem. Elon Musk wants to download your brain with an idea to implant our brains with computer chips. Behind it all, though, is Musk's suspicions against AI. In 2015, he donated $10 million to a movement to stop artificial intelligence from turning against humans. So I'm guessing, right, since this is coming out of Silicon Valley, which is full of such great, well-adjusted people, that presumably they think this is a really important step Actually, in the sort of evolution of the human species. Yes. What yes. a surprise, yes. Yes, that is broadly it. I mean, some people will say that effectively if we don't do this, if we don't look to try and self-direct evolution, we will just die out. So you, you can look at the fact that we've evolved to live in a specific niche and that those evolutionary niches, if you look through history, tend to disappear to either that or we wipe ourselves out, or one of your favourites, there's a, there's a pandemic. And one of the things that's limiting us is that we are only adapted to this niche in certain environments. You can go to the moon, but you can't really experience being on the moon because you have to go up with apparatus that makes it seem like you're on Earth. Yeah. You have to go up with your own air and all that kind of thing. So if you think to yourself, it'd be great to be interplanetary, that, that will help us out. It would be much easier to do that if you were in code or you were mechanical and not biological, not limited by your biological self. So you leave the meat suit behind? Yes. And go off and explore the stars? Yeah. You, you, you transcend your own biology and you get to really broaden your horizons as well. And when you say you, you mean Silicon Valley millionaires? I mean Silicon Valley millionaires, yeah. I don't, it, again, like so much of the stuff we talk about, it doesn't feel like this is going to be available to the man <laughs> in the street immediately. Hey, 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 what have you done to our daughter? Cindy's seven years old. You get whatever's in inventory. She was murdered in a hit and run. The law says she gets a free sleeve, and that one's free. If you don't like it, pay for an upgrade, put her back in storage. Daddy... Please don't put me back in the dark again. Put a kid in that old lady? Victim restitution. The state just gives you what they have in hand. Broken down crap like that. Prisons lease out the goods, leaves for profit. Very humane. So it seems like you're saying we can go way beyond altered carbon. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, the ambition of these people is that we will lose our biological limitations. We will upload our minds into other substrates uh, we may be uploaded into sort of mechanical bodies or somehow sort of artificial bodies and we might be traveling all over the universe very merrily in the next 80 years in the next 80 years i'm 
not sure about it. <laughs> Next week, we'll be discussing the extinction of the human race with Contagion. Happy episode. It feels like quite a lot of our episodes are a bit bleak. <laughs> Science-ish is a Radio Wolfgang production presented by me, Rick Edwards, and Dr. Michael Brooks. The producers were Cormac McAuliffe and L. Scott, sound designed by L. Scott and Ivor Slayer-Manley. The executive producer was Harry Watson. Special thanks to Dr. Randall Kerner. If you like the show, please subscribe and rate and review on whatever app or wherever it is you listen to your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at science underscore ish or check out our website, scienceish.org. I just read out some stuff that Dimitri Itzkoff has written in his kind of mission statement on uh, 2045.com, which is well worth a, well worth a look, actually. Uh, as our own potential is developed and revealed, our individual consciousnesses will become complex, flourishing, flexible and playful. Multivaried <laughs> and paradoxical, it will inevitably begin to come into conflict with its limited mortal protein-based carrier, the biological body. You piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds a bit like a kind of Tinder profile from the future. It's weird stuff because I don't, I don't want to disrespect the guy too much, but I don't get the sense reading it that he necessarily is across all the science. But he's got some <laughs> quite, uh, <laughs> quite, quite big, sort of quite spiritual. He's more ideas, of an ideas guy. He's isn't an he? ideas guy. Yeah, he's yeah. an ideas guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Hi everyone, it's Dr. Linda Papadopoulos here, and I want to tell you quickly about my new podcast series, The Psychology Behind. It's a weekly series, and every week we tackle a different psychological issue. Now, this is done by kind of looking at those day-to-day issues that affect us all, from not being able to stand up to our boss, to not feeling great about our bodies, to having trouble sleeping at night. What we do is we look at the newest research in the field, and then we try and use that research in a practical way to give coping techniques to help everyone who's listening cope. So join me every Tuesday in discovering the psychology behind you can download on Apple Podcasts on Audioboom or wherever you get your podcasts your computer makes thousands of connections every day just like the one it's making now to deliver you your audio content why not unlock some little connections of your own pick up a box of Cadbury Heroes today stay at home and share them with your family or friends Sometimes it's the little things that bring us together. 